How is the secondaries market preparing for the onslaught of deals expected to hit the market from September? What types of deals are these likely to be and what's bringing potential sellers to the table? I'm Adam Lay, Senior Editor at Private Equity International and in this latest edition of Spotlight, we catch up with Nigel Dorn, Head of Private Capital Advisory at investment bank Evercore, to get the latest on how the coronavirus crisis in 2020 has created unexpected opportunities for the private equity secondaries market. At the time we spoke, Evercore had just published its mid-year report looking at the state of the secondaries market. You can find our analysis of Evercore's report on PEI's sister title, secondariesinvestor.com, and there's also a link to our story in the blurb for this podcast. We started off the conversation by talking about the differences and similarities between the 2008 global financial crisis and the 2020 pandemic, and what sorts of opportunities there are for the secondaries market. I asked Nigel, what's the temperature out there today? I think that's the right question to start with. And I think the survey we just released actually lays out some of the themes. I think the first one perhaps is that if we look at the first half of the year, it's a relative collapse in volumes, say compared with the first half of last year. You know, it's down more than 50%. So down to 18 billion of volume. And although we don't have the splits, we suspect a lot of those transactions are actually initiated in Q1 prior to COVID and actually just closed in, in Q2. So the actual Q2 volume itself, our sense is we will be very low. And I think as a result of that, you know, deals not getting done. We see right now dry powder in this market at an all-time high of $115 billion, and that's prior to any use of leverage, Adam. So you can think about buying power probably well in excess of $150 billion. And the banks, again, very keen to lend money to secondary investors to partly finance uh, their purchases. I think the other interesting thing on COVID is what happened is that to limited partners who invest in funds, uh, secondary funds, along with distressed funds, have been seen as very popular places to put capital as they're viewed as opportunistic strategies. So during the COVID period, there's been a relative acceleration of capital flowing into secondary funds that are currently raising right now, which of course has resulted to that all-time high in terms of, you know, in terms of capital available in the market. It, in my view, there are some key differences between the global financial crisis, which has really impacted this market and I think will impact the secondary market going forward. And I think the first is that last time around, and as you say, a lot of people comp what's happening now to the global financial crisis and there's in, uh, you know, a, a, an assumption it's things will, will work out in a similar pattern. Some things are different, though. The, the, I think the first thing is it's clearly different is the financing markets came back very quickly. So they were, you know, in a global financial crisis. It was much slower. According to Nigel, this time around, there is very little distress among LPs compared with the GFC when institutional investors, particularly financial institutions, were selling for liquidity. Around 40% of sellers in the previous crisis were banks and insurance companies, he says, something that is very different today. The other big difference in the market this time, which we didn't see last time, is there was not a GP-driven part of the market. And, and the other thing our survey, I think, identifies very clearly is that the proportion of transactions sponsored by a general partner has actually gone up. It's about 40%, I think, our number of the transactions in the first half of the year. Those are the transactions that have come back first, and there'll be a relative flood 
of transactions sponsored by GPs in the second half of the year. And I think that's for two reasons. Number one reason, which I think is a key reason, is because of COVID, GP portfolios have been affected, and particularly those that have exposure to transportation, hospitality, consumer-facing retail, which will mean, you know, perhaps that, you know, equity cures are required, more capital is required. But the general theme, I think, across many general partners is the expectation when they can sell some of these underlying companies is actually being pushed out into the future, maybe 12 to 24 months out, you know, versus what would be happening this year, sales this year and next year. As a result of that, and often the result of an additional need for capital amongst those GPs to support their portfolios, either to defend companies that have been impacted or to go on the offense in terms of new opportunities that didn't exist before COVID to, to support an M&A program of an underlying company or, or the organic growth. Those opportunities exist. So what GPs are doing right now is creating an accelerated liquidity option for their LPs who would like to take advantage of it, essentially in exchange for more time to sell the companies to maximize value, sometimes a more capital, but understanding that you have a dynamic in terms of their investors, while some of them will have their expected distributions slowing down, while at the same time, there is an expectation that capital calls from their general partners are not likely to slow down. According to Evercore's media report, single asset restructurings, which is when a sole asset is moved out of an existing fund into a continuation vehicle managed by the same GP, now account for around one third of the GP-led secondaries market. Essentially for the existing fund, it is a full exit into the continuation vehicle. So, you know, cash comes back into the fund and then the, it is a, a reinvestment option for the existing LPs or a, a brand new investment the secondary investor will make. Typically, these vehicles will be five years in duration with a potential two additional years of extensions. And in the market right now, we're seeing a real acceleration amongst GPs in interest around single asset, single company continuation vehicles compared with the last two years. I asked Nigel whether the previous scepticism towards single asset deals had disappeared because buyers are in a better position to evaluate transactions involving a single company, as opposed to looking at a portfolio of fund stakes that might have exposure to hundreds of underlying assets. In his view, the concerns secondaries buyers had in the past haven't gone away, and there is still a heightened focus on alignment with the general partner in such deals. But he does think that the level of education and skills within secondaries funds has gone up as the market moves away from a business of buying diversified portfolios of LP interests to understanding single companies in more depth. What most investors feel right now, it is very, very difficult to evaluate a diversified portfolio of LP interests and really understand in any sort of depth what the impact of COVID is on the companies. Therefore, I think the willingness of investors to evaluate more concentrated portfolios where they can do deep diligence with the GPs. They can potentially hire consultants. They can get quality of earnings reports and the like, and they can get alignment, which they negotiate with the GP, is in a sense the perfect transaction for them now, given that it's very hard to buy diversified portfolios with a lack of visibility into the underlying companies. As secondaries funds have gotten bigger, 
Ardian and Lexington partners raised 19 billion and 14 billion vehicles respectively this year, for example, the amount of exposure they can have to one given company increases. A $10 billion fund with a $300 million exposure to a single asset can still achieve its diversification aims. Nigel says that in the age of Zoom calls and remote due diligence, pre-existing relationships are key. The quality of GPs looking to execute secondary transactions has gone up materially over the last few years. So there's often a pre-existing relationship with the investor and with the GP. Also, these transactions tend to be around quality assets because any assets being seriously impacted by COVID is really not a candidate for something like that. So you have a situation usually when you have a pre-existing relationship with the GP, the investor will often be invested in the underlying fund already. So they may already know the asset and then they have the opportunity to get on Zoom and due diligence. And often what we're doing these days is then bringing the underlying company management team to do a presentation as well. You know, having existing assets, existing relationships, access to company management is actually making it relatively easy. And of course, ultimately, in addition to this, the investor will achieve alignment through their relationship and through the economic incentives they provide to the GP. I think the challenge will be in this market is actually the underlying GPs making brand new investments in vintage 2020 because to make the initial investment usually they'll it's multiple sessions with the underlying company it's face-to-face meetings it's dinners it's you know detailed analytical reports consulting reports and the like so i would suspect you would find that vintage 2020 for new primary transactions is actually going to be very low i asked nigel for his sense of how well capitalized the secondaries market is with anywhere between 150 and 180 billion dollars in dry powder, is that a healthy level of capital versus deal flow, or is that on the heavy side? I think the first thing is that over the last 15 years or so, the volume in the secondary market, which I think is a good test, and it was 80 billion last year, has been between one and two percent of the outstanding assets under management in private markets. And very, very consistent. And because as the secondary volumes have gone up, assets under management generally in private markets has gone up. So on a relative basis, the secondary market really has not grown that much in the last 15 years. You know, on an absolute basis, it's clearly grown fairly significantly. However, where we stand right now, I would say you need to think of it in two ways. One is that certainly last year, you'll see a difference this year. About 60% of secondary transactions were actually purchasing diversified portfolios of LP interests. The other part, which I think was about 65, 30, 35, was uh, these GP-focused transactions. Our sense is that in terms of GP-focused transactions, is actually relatively undercapitalized because parts of the market really, and, and some of the largest players, are really focused on the more traditional business of, of buying LP interests, which is a classic secondary business, versus buying more concentrated positions in companies that require, to a certain extent, you know, an enhanced skill set to what you've you know, needed over time in the secondary market. And I think that the amount of volume that will be possible in the GP market over the next few years is likely to swamp the LP market. So my prediction this year is that the split between LP-driven deals diversified portfolios and GP-sponsored transactions, more concentrated transactions like continuation funds, LP tenders, is likely to be 50-50. Over time, 
the majority of transactions are likely to come from general partners. And I think as you've seen recently, there's been news of new secondary funds being formed by traditional buyout managers or traditional private equity firms to take advantage of this market. And in terms of available capital into this market, I think it, it, I think it is a welcome sign and a recognition of reality that a lot of assets that previously would have been sponsors to sponsor sales are likely to be exited, at least initially, through a secondary transaction, likely to be a continuation vehicle. So to get exposure to those assets, I think some of the more sophisticated, large asset managers are realizing that, that you know, to start a new strategy to allow the, their own investors access to those companies is actually a smart move. So that was our discussion with Nigel Dawn, who leads the secondaries practice at one of the biggest advisory firms in the industry. To read our analysis of Evercore's report and its key findings, just head to secondariesinvestor.com and search for Evercore. For Private Equity International, I'm Adam Lay. Thanks for listening.